Oh man, it is so much cooler to produce the State of Play podcast live. I'm Martino Puccio. No Pepperisha, no Matt Santangelo alongside me today, but we have our highest ever recorded uh, appearance by a guest, and that's Roberto Rojas coming in once again in 2023. So 2019, 2020, 21, 22, and 23, I think you've been every single year here. It's gone by so fast, man. How are you? What's up, Martino? Happy New Year. I think we can still say Happy New Year on January 10th. Is there is there a limit anyway? But I did well, well, there's a curb your enthusiasm episode on it yes. if you're a big curb yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think Larry thinks it's uh it's a little too much this Fair morning. enough. But this is not curb the enthusiasm. This is it's the state of play. But yeah, I'm glad to be back. Five years. Wow. I mean, really, time really does fly, honestly. And you know, it doesn't even yeah. feel like you know, we've just gotten straight from the from the World Cup literally a month ago, if even. And now we're going back into everything that's going on in domestic football. Obviously, Champions League is mm-hmm. coming back as well. Europa League, mm-hmm. all the competitions. It's just, it feels like, you know, football, soccer is just not ending. But yeah, I'm glad to be back and happy to discuss what's been going on in the world of football. Yeah, so I mean, you're right. I mean, it just, you know, Boxing Day happened like eight days after the World Cup final. Um <laughs> Obviously, Argentina won a team that you and I had tabbed for a little while, and Joe Ucello as well, um, your co-host of Low Limit Football. Um, yeah, so we're kind of here talking international football. We did mention all the domestic and club stuff, but we're Americans, um, and we've talked USA before. Um, we haven't done it in too much length, but I, I really think this has been, in terms of just topic, I. I I, I don't think there's been anything more controversial about the United States men's team in general um, that I've seen in my lifetime. Forget about like not making the World Cup. That's just that's on field stuff. We're talking on field, off field. So everyone knows the Greg Berhalter uh, and Reina family situation. It's really just poor job by the adults here um, to act like adults. And I think the timeline we knew started during the World Cup when Greg told Gio that he wasn't going to have as big of a role as he would have liked. Whether or not we agreed with it tactically, almost no one did amongst the USA fans, um, and especially his family members in Gio Reyna, including his father, Claudio, and his mother, Danielle. Um, Roberto, this was, this was crazy from the start, and the relationship goes back very far with these two families. Um, Claudio and Greg playing in high school together, obviously the U.S. men's national team, and then Danielle and uh, I, Mrs. Berhalter's name is, is escaping me at the moment. But anyways, the incident goes all the way back into the early 90s, late 80s, um, when they knew each other. There was a domestic violence incident. Um, we won't go further into the details. We discussed it last episode, myself and Santangelo. Essentially, it is blackmail by Reina's parents to use against Greg, who then was also to no fault of his own kind of a villain in this when he's calling out Gio Reyna, despite privately apologizing to the team for his poor attitude and commitment. Um, Greg's comments were about sending a player home early because of a situation. Everybody knew who he was talking about, which was airing out dirty laundry at the time. It really just was an overall mess from Team USA. And then we hear more about this domestic violence issue, which Greg was correct in saying that this is his wife's issue to speak out about. Danielle and Claudio hanging this over their head as blackmail because their son was not playing is so American that it hurts. But it's also just it's just wrong. 
that's just not the type of incident. Like, if you cared that much about the domestic violence incident, you wouldn't wait 30 years to speak up about it. And you also wouldn't use it as leverage for your son not playing soccer. I think that's really disappointing in general. It's disgusting. Um, and now Team USA is at a crossroads where the Federation has to launch an investigation because of this. And quite frankly, you're not going to see Greg Berhalter manage this national team again. And this sparks a lot of friction once again for Gio Reyna and his situation with the team. What was your overall reaction to this? I know we discussed it. We, Elijah Newsom, who's been on here before, and a bunch of our other journalists, football friends that we've discussed this with. I mean, no one comes out looking good here. Literally, no. I can't think of a single person. So what was your initial reaction? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with everything you said. I think certainly this is a situation that I think U.S. soccer definitely does not need, especially when they are going to be one of the representatives to the entire world, you know, hosting the World Cup in about three and a half years time. So for something like this to happen is definitely not a good look, not just to what we see nationally, but also internationally. I think, you know, from what I saw, you know, it was almost as if it was too good to be true. It felt like, you know, could this actually be something that could happen? You don't think you, yeah, like you said, this is something that could happen maybe at the college level, the high school level, even the youth level, you know, seeing, you know, parents complaining to their coaches. We always see that we've grown up in it, in that environment for that to happen in the professional level though, is a completely different ball game. And, And for me, I'm absolutely shocked. I'm disappointed. I think I would say from all parties, from the Burhalters, from the Reynas, you know, from Gio, Claudio, Daniela, uh, Greg and, and uh, Rosaline as well. I mean, there, there is so many things that are going on. I mean, you know, I spoke with Joe on, on our podcast, Little Myth Football, about this last week. And, you know, we kind of mentioned how really this all stems, I would say, just from the appointment of Greg Berhalter. It's almost as if, you know, this, yeah. this thing was never going to happen. You would think, yeah, okay, maybe this wasn't going to be something to happen. But the fact that the appointment of Greg Berhalter came in and it really is something that I think poses responsibility to him because he is someone that is a national team coach. And when you have that responsibility, you have to take a lot of pressure from all sides. And yeah, there are some claims of nepotism. Obviously, his brother has a big um, was uh, was it was on the board was yeah. on the board of the U.S. Soccer when he got hired. Yes, so there is that kind of importance on that. Um, secondly, obviously, going into this incident, you know. We're so used to it in American sports where we always have like issues going on with players and coaches, and we always see that in soccer as well. happens all the time. But for something like this to be leaked, I think it should be in a case that stays inside. I mean, how many stories in the world are there about player arguments that you know don't make it out to the press? Or, or if they do, they go out afterwards or many years later. Not during a World Cup, or especially not after it as well. I think there is that kind of, you know importance to that as well and and for Burhalter to really say what he said in that conference just a few days after the U.S. got knocked out of the World Cup I think he kind of felt like did he have anything to lose did he feel like it was something that you know for him it, nothing was going to happen no of course it did you saw Reyna's re- Gio's reaction to that and now with this whole blackmail situation you know the fact that the Reynas kind of felt pissed off because their kid wasn't playing and you know again 
every parent has every right to feel disappointed because their parent, their kid is not playing. It happens in all aspects of life. But at the end of the day, the coaches make the decisions. They want what's best for the team. And I, and listen, I like Gio Reyna, and I'm not a big Burhalter fan, but I would respect what Burhalter is Man. doing to get this team yep. what he thinks is the best team that he could do to participate in a World Cup or any other game as well. So, yeah, it's it's just it's a huge mess. And now with this whole blackmail situation of an incident that happened 30 years ago, it almost feels like. At what cost are you doing this? Why are you doing something that could indeed, you would think it would be something to state a case, but at the end of the day, you're kind of ruining a 20-year-old, literally, he just turned 20 literally two months ago, a 20-year-old kid's chances of playing at the uh, at the World Cup, sorry, for the U.S. national team for so many years. And it's just, yeah, it's just such a big it's, mess to even go into it. Yeah, I mean, it's in limbo at this point because I don't think Greg comes back. I think there's just... Because it's set, it's setting a precedent that U.S. soccer has to sit there and say, we have a domestic violence issue. Regardless of when this took pay, place, we have to take this seriously. And I get that. And, you know, if she chose to forgive him, that's obvious. Um, they've moved past that. It's It wasn't the Reina story to tell. And again, I think what some people were, and I don't think there were that many people confusing it, but it's not mutually exclusive to agree with Greg Berhalter and also disagree with his tactics for this. Like, you're right. He, if he was appointed manager, we have to respect his decisions. Did anyone agree with what was happening with Gio and, and how they were tactically going about the Wales match? No. And it also kind of undoes a lot of the good that this team has had the past 18 months. Um, winning the Gold Cup, winning the Nations League, uh, getting to the knockout stages uh, for, the, for the first time since 2014. And... They had their opportunities to do well against the Netherlands, but they were completely outclassed. We knew that, but it was something to build off of as one of the youngest squads in that tournament. And now we have arguably the most talented player on the team now at a crossroads as to what manager comes in. What does the manager think of him? Um, and like, does he have to worry, he or she have to worry about Reina's parents stepping in here? I think, unfortunately for Gio, we have we also don't know what he thinks about all of this. I think he wanted to put everything behind him as soon as possible. I think that statement was clear after Greg's comments. Gio might have to say something again. He's not going to immediately because they're, his parents are now involved publicly. Uh, Claudio Tom, Tom Bogert made a great uh, point about this, about how Claudio is a sporting director in Houston. Um, for uh, sorry, Austin FC, excuse me. And I'm just thinking that there's so many teams in, in Texas, <laughs> which is hilarious. But again, Austin FC, he's the sporting director there. Tom was making the point today that, hey, he's not coming out and saying anything about the club in general. And that kind of shows to where everything is at this point. I don't think Gio's time and tenure is done um, with the U.S. men's actually. He can't. He's 20. Um, <laughs> I, I hope it's not a Carlos Vela situation that we saw with Mexico where it was like, there was a lot of friction. They don't want to call him up. They do want to call him up. Um, you know, it, it's totally different because again, as far as we know, Gio wasn't the one who was hanging blackmail over their heads. He just threw a fit about it. Um, and apologized as well. And apologized. Exactly. And he, and he served what he was supposed to do, but now his parents put him in a bad position. Lord knows that's happened to a lot of American kids, um, let alone the rest of the world. But to me, it's kind of like, you can't go back to Greg. When do you bring back Gio? What is, what is this situation here with Gio? Um, who do you appoint? 
and and why um because now we've already seen approaches of a legendary player in Zinedine Zidane that apparently got a call from the U.S. Federation, which clearly signals that they're looking elsewhere. To me, it's funny that they tried Zidane. Zidane wasn't going to go anywhere but France. Deschamps got his job extended. So there's that. Um, to me, where, where Team USA has to look, it's, it's very interesting because you would like to get somebody for 2026. But if they're going to be involved in Copa America... That's a massive tournament, and and I think the expectations are raised. There's no World Cup qualifying matches to go off of. The manager comes in and struggles next summer to get a result in Copa America. Where does that put them? Because now you're kind of like, we performed poorly in this competition that combined the best teams in the Americas, and now we are looking into 2026 without any significant matches to kind of gauge where we're at outside of knowing our players are developing in Europe. I mean, there's there's more questions. You don't want more questions in this situation. I think this raises them. And it's and it's sad because as much as I didn't love the Burhalter appointment, he was at least doing the minimum of what was asked of him. Winning a couple of trophies, getting to the knockout stages. The Geo thing was stupid on a tactical standpoint. But I mean, there's not much else to go off of to sack him outside of the situation now, where do you turn? It looks like it's internal for the short term. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, also to your point as well, I always think, like, this is just my personal thing, I always think that, like, for some managers, you know, depending on how you do, like, obviously if you win, like, World Cups or Euros, usually, you know, you always hike to do a stint for maybe one project, one cycle, or, or even at most two cycles. And I think... Berhalter kind of did what he had to do in that sense. He, he took a squad that didn't go to the World Cup for the first time in so many years, took mm-hmm. a huge blood of, of of American players to to really show what they're demonstrated of in on a continental stage, and then later on the world stage, like you said, winning the Gold Cup, winning the Nations League, and then going to the knockout stage of the World Cup, which was expected. That was their expectation. Yes, yeah, they've probably gotten a bit farther if they had some luck, but other than that, anything else was going to be a huge plus. But he did what he had to yeah. do. Now you're going in a situation where the stakes are a bit higher because you're hosting a World Cup. And now that younger gen, that generation of players are going to get four years much more stronger, much more developed, more expectation is based on them. So do you really Mm -hmm. think that he was going to be the right manager for it? No, I didn't think so either. So yeah, it almost felt like because he, and that's why I said like, was there really a point for him to say those comments if he had known that, you know, that he probably wasn't going to come back. You know, obviously he's not there anymore more for the time being because his contract ran out. That's why Anthony Hudson's taking charge of the U.S. for these, like, upcoming friendlies. Um, mm-hmm. So you have that. But, you know, like you said, the approach is being made, you know, to Zinedine Zidane, which I agree. Yeah, I, I think someone like him, he's not going to manage any squad outside of uh, outside of his home native country in France. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it almost feels as if, though, everything was kind of pointing into that direction. Having said that, because now you're adding this controversy with the Reynas, it just makes it even worse. And I think U.S. soccer, you know, they should be right. They shouldn't be right, I should say. But they they should have the logic to say that, you know, we need to get rid of this. We need to go out of this as soon as possible. And for that, I think they have to move on from Greg and see who comes in. You know, there's been rumors about Jim Curtin, the, the union coach of Philadelphia, who's done a great job there. There's other rumors of you know, the likes of Tuchel, Pochettino, Bielsa, if you want to go really extreme. So yeah, I'm curious yeah. to see. And yeah, Marsh, you know, depending on how he does at 
at Leeds if he if could he, be gone as soon yeah, well, as that's summer. It. Well, that's it. That's the thing. Like maybe that puts him in a, in a situation like that. But like this is the year that the U.S. You know they don't have any big competitions left. They have the Copa America, which is not till next year. So they need to find someone mm-hmm. that they can use to develop. You know a plan to say, hey, we're going to be here to compete. You know, obviously the first step would be for that Copa America to see how they do and how they would set themselves up and then go on from there for the World Cup in 2026. So, yeah, no, I think it's it's just a weird situation to be in. And I would think and would hope that U.S. soccer could make the right decision. I know it's asking a lot from U.S. soccer to do I that, know. but yeah. you would think that with a situation like things, you're thinking like, guys, come on, like we, we need to move on from this. We need to really now pump up the brakes and really understand, understand what's at stake now for, for the future. So, yeah, it's it's just been a mess, man, honestly. I mean, yeah, because it's a lot of time taken with this because there has not been a final decision on Greg Berhalter just yet. Technically, he's out of his contract. He's probably gone. They need to conclude this investigation. Um, I think there's going to be suspensions coming for Claudia Reyna and, and possible involvement in this kind of stuff. I, I, I don't think also MLS should tolerate this type of act by him. I, I, think, it, I think it matters. I think it publicly hurts uh the mls it hurts austin fc this this is like the, these companies we work in media you know this it's tons of pr issues with this mm-hmm. uh there's a reason why claudio isn't speaking as tom mentioned um and also the important part is again now because people want an answer and a hire so fast the u.s federation can't do that because if you're hiring someone you're talking about two major these are the okay world cup everyone knows is the the pinnacle of international competition and trophies there's nothing more important than the world cup doesn't matter what country you're from but copa america is as big as it gets on this side of the world as far as an international like territorial tournament goes Mm -hmm. copa america there's nothing bigger especially when we're combining everybody at this point and your canada's on the rise we'll see what mexico does they probably have more question marks than any federation i can think of at this point um, I mean, there's Colombia's like in flux as well um, mm-hmm. to our good friends over there. But again, this is this is really difficult. I wouldn't rule out Carlo Ancelotti long term. I think that's I think that's something they look at. He's mentioned about international management. He he resides in Canada from time to time. Canada is not moving on from their project and their manager. Ancelotti could stay kind of relatively local to that. And there's also this factor of how do you keep this core motivated internationally to care? And I know that's you shouldn't have to, but it's it's important to be prepped for that kind of stuff. Um, in terms of you know we don't have these World Cup qualifiers. We need you to turn up sometimes. We because that little level of competitiveness, that intensity that you need to bring match day in, match day out um, to prepare for the World Cup. You're not going to have that intensity. You'll have it at Copa America, but are you going to have that? There's no qualifiers like that. It's a big question mark. Um, and again, that type of press, that type of circus, if you will, around having the tournament here, you need someone who could handle that. There's not many names that they could point to. I'm not saying Ancelotti is going to be one. I'm just saying it's on the radar. If they're reaching out to Zidane, I don't think it's ridiculous that Ancelotti, we know how managers at Real Madrid go. <laughs> Wait, this is Ancelotti's second time around. If they don't win La Liga this year, they potentially crash out of Champions League, Roberto. You could see that change easily happening. That's the way Real Madrid operate. Um But again, I think I think this is this is um this is interesting. I think I think for the short term, 
you go with Hudson up until summer. And I think you have to reevaluate then because if more options like Ancelotti, Jesse Marsh, and others are available, you have to pick up the phone. I don't think you hand tie yourself in the middle of a season right now because it just it does you no good. You don't have anything of significance, major significance coming up um, in terms of matches. So who, who would be your number one name at the top of the list that's realistic <laughs> and you would want to hire? I mean, I know it's, it's on the spot, but. Yeah, it's it's such a difficult question. Like, look, listen, I always thought that for me, Jesse Marsh has always been someone that I thought, you know, has demonstrated what he could do in Europe. He did it in Austria. He did it in Germany. Yes, it wasn't as good as everyone thought it would, but at least he gains experience. Yeah. He's doing, you know, divided attention, you would say, at least, depending on how you feel. But, you know, he's still mm. getting it done. He's still doing something that no major American coach can do and manage him among, amongst the top two leagues. In his amongst, 30s. In his yeah, right? yeah, or is he is, is 40, 40 I thought, yeah, I thought right around still there. Like yeah 30s. exactly so and uh, top of that on that he's an american and i think you know it kind of yes there is know, always he's 49 yeah so yeah <laughs> he's not it's not that old anyway but even then it's just it feels like yes i think you need someone that i think understands the philosophy and listen what he's gaining in Europe is going to really work in what the u.s is doing because at the end of the day all these coaches they're they're adapting to what teams are doing in europe you know that's that's where the best are yes we have a south american world champion but still you know the way that one would play is getting the inspiration from what's going on in europe seeing how tactically things have been changed and i think marsh has been able to do that so i think you know depending on what he does in leads and again this is no wish on me thinking oh i hope he gets leads relegated and then that they sack him off no on the contrary you know i want him to do best i want him to do well but if there is yeah. that situation that comes in yeah, I definitely would want him as well. And then, you know, that's more of a – for me, it's probably a realistic or dream choice. Realistic, I would probably still – you know, if Jim Curtin is the one that maybe could do it or Brian Schmelzer, you know, his, during his time at, at the um, at the Sounders, you know, he's someone that could be up there. Um, I think there's, there's options in MLS, but I think, you know, for U.S. soccer, do they really want to take that route? Do they really want to – do something that is you know similar to what they've always been used to or do they want to try something different yes they've had foreign coaches in their time they've had Jurgen Klinsmann they've had others in the past mm -hmm. as well but is that still something that same formula that's going to help you really in a way compete with the world's best because that's how it is like yeah you're going to have managers that have to adapt to the way styles are in, in all of football and and sometimes, you know, what you see in your league is maybe not the best of what you get. And I'm not saying for the U.S. to turn into a European side. I'm not saying that. I think we should always stick yeah. to our to our values and our roots and, you know, whatever. Whatever style. they may be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that's that's still something that I would like. And yeah. and I think it's also just, you know, what the players want as well. You know, they're, they're a young yeah. side. They know that they can, you know, get that kind of motivation of saying, hey, we're going to play in a World Cup in our home country. This is something that we've dreamed about for years as kids, yeah. not just to play in World Cups. Now they have the chance to play one in their home yeah. in their in their home country. So yeah, with the, with that the best generation of Ima players that have ever existed. Imagine being that manager that you get the responsibility to manage, you know, I say world superpower, not fo not football superpower obviously, but you know, yeah. to manage that in a in the biggest yeah. tournament in sports. And you have the opportunity to do that. I think U.S. soccer has to really understand that if you want to get someone like that, you're going to have to get one of the best. Not I'm saying not the best managers in the world, but at least someone yeah. that understands that responsibility and knows what's best for this team. Yeah, I will quickly say 
Thomas Tuchel is not an option. I don't think it should be. Um, this relationship with Christian Pulisic has not been the greatest. Um, professionally, tactically, it just clearly hasn't worked out. They don't see eye to eye. You can't do that at Captain America. It's just It just won't work because there's a difference between picking Christian at Dortmund, at Chelsea, over Tuchel, but you're not going to pick like Tuchel over Christian for Team USA. Like it's just not going to work if they don't see eye to eye. That that's what I think. Quickly, um, before we get you out of here because I know you're busy, um, Jao Felix is on the move. This is very interesting to me, and I know we switched like that, but it's to Chelsea. This is weird. There's no buy option with this. There's rumors. It's it's not that weird because of the Simeone rumors because of him leaving at the end of the season. And that, and we were just talking, seeing eye to eye with players and managers. I think it's clear that Diego stunts a lot of tactically, um, not tactically, it technically gifted players. Um, and I think his kind of style of play has worn out at Atletico, um, especially with the types of profiles that they've been purchasing. With that, we see him go on a paid loan for 11 million euro through the rest of the season. There's been no reported option to buy for Chelsea. One Roberto. What's Jao Felix's future with Atletico? Does he come back and stay with the new manager? Secondly, what is Chelsea thinking here? And what's the reasoning behind this? Is this for a top four chase? Like an FA Cup trophy? They're not winning the Prem. They're probably not winning the Champions League. If they win the Champions League, that's just typical Chelsea. Um, But seriously, it's kind of head-scratching. I think this is just a real short-term fix for the disaster that is Chelsea's Premier League season. Will Zhao Felix be a success at Chelsea, and will he return to Atletico a better player? Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a weird situation, really, you know, and, and I think, you know, the fact that, you know, someone like, can we always say, like, players that go to the Premier League, they always get a big kaleidoscope on them, they get, like, very much, microscope, I should say, not kaleidoscope, but even then, it almost feels like Chelsea are a kaleidoscope today uh, in the way that they play, it's just a mixture of so many things going on, but again, there is that extra emphasis, and I think for someone like Joao Felix, yeah, I mean, you know, you feel as if though his style of play, it felt kind of questionable even when he first went to Atleti. You know, you see someone so attack driven, you know, someone that likes to have the ball, likes to go in and, and try to attempt it. You don't get that a lot uh, with Simeone style teams. Maybe at Chelsea, maybe at Potter's team, which can be a bit more flexible. And, you know, everyone wants to put the blame on, on Graham Potter. I'm not giving him, I'm not giving up on him yet just because of so many injuries that have been going on with this team that we probably haven't seen it at its best. Having said that, I think for Jao Felix, I think, yeah, it's it's almost as if it could be a breath of fresh air for him if he can do well at a side like Chelsea. I mean, look, if he, if he hits it off well, then that's going to go well for, for Chelsea and then for, for Atleti as well, depending on who they get as their new manager. But I just, I don't know. It, it, feels, it feels weird. Like you said, yeah, no buyout clause. The fact that it's a loan for that much. For, I'm, I'm questioning. I still question. Well, I, I just I still question Todd Bowley's project. You know what really is he trying to do? He splashed all this money. They really haven't had most of their players do well with Sterling, Aubameyang, Cucurella. Yeah, some have been injured, but still they haven't hit it off well. You see how the team is performing. The fact that they sacked their manager right in the the beginning of the season after after uh, supplying him with a ton of money over the summer. And exactly. It was, short, and it was short-lived, yeah. And having that, you know, kind of issue, it, it almost feels as if, though, is there really something going on? It, or is this just a case of, you know, Bali saying, hey, we're going to, you know, start from scratch next year. But 
you know, I, I don't think that's something that they want. That's something that's it, something does, that it, it doesn't want. it doesn't make sense because there's no plan. Exactly. All the debt all the debt was rid of by Bowley purchasing in the group. Um Bowley didn't have a sporting director of himself. Nope. Bowley was negotiating, trying to do everything himself. We see how Benfica is replying to this and, and saying how they've been operating. Bowley is making a lot of enemies in terms of sporting directors and other clubs who he is not making enemies with are agents and agents are very important these days in yep. football, as it turns out. Um, ultimately, I think Zhao does return to Atletico and they'll try and figure that out because there have been flashes of brilliance. And I think he's been relatively productive to the system that he's in. Um, but we'll see how that plays out. Roberto, I appreciate you so much for hopping on host of low limit football works at his own other works. Tell people about it. Tell people where they can find you. Yeah, thanks again, Martino. Really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, again, like you said, you can follow me at Roberto Rojas97. Obviously, you know, always talking about football and sports as well. Listen, you got NFL happening. The playoffs beginning as well. My Giants are playing the Vikings this weekend. Sorry to hear about that, Martino. I know you're a Jets fan, and I don't want a ridicule like that. That's what it is. But uh, yeah, no, they so do it got, themselves. No worries. So you got that. <laughs> you got that as well. NBA, obviously. Um, but, you know, obviously follow me there with all my stuff. Obviously, uh, Check out my podcast, Little Limit Football, where we always talk about everything going on in the world of football with my co-host, Joe Yusello, some a show that you've always been on as well, Martino. So thank mm-hmm. you again. And Joe's been on here as well. Exactly. So. And, also, and also my podcast, Guarani Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguay football in English as we kick off the new year. The season's about to start. We'll talk about everything that's been going on in the world. Even if it pertains to a Colombian goalkeeper playing in the Paraguayan League now going to Milan right now. So obviously, mm. check it out there. See if you want to get any you know insight on what's going on in Paraguayan football. And yeah, you know, again, thank you so much for having me, Matt. It's been too long. And yeah, of course. Yeah, I know. It's, been, it's been too long. State of play has been a, a bit uh, of a hiatus, but we're trying to crank out episodes as much as we can. Too bad I messed up during this recording when I tried clipping uh, Roberto's answer, but um, we'll piece it together. But again, you could follow me. Uh, everywhere at Martino Puccio, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, um, TikTok as well. Um, I'm probably drawing a blank. Just still more stuff coming for the Athletic Odds Checker is where the stuff I've been doing a lot of betting for. Uh, check that out. Weekly shows and weekly TikToks on some of the best bets that I have. You could follow Pet at AFC Pet on Twitter and Matt Santangelo at Matt underscore Santangelo. They both should be back soon. Pet's moving to this side of the world, by the way, for a few months. Moving to the six, uh, Drake's home in Toronto. Um, so he needs some help trying to find some Premier League signups. I think it's your company that might be able to help him out. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think I think they carry the rights for the Premier League in Canada. Um, they do not, I guess not. Well, well, we'll, we'll get pet for that. But anyways, Roberto, like to thank you so much once again. Follow, subscribe to all of his stuff. Follow and subscribe to all of our stuff as well. But with that, you could listen to some Joaquin. Thank you.